1: Two Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and with me I have Mr. Abuse Puppy. Howdy, Pablo. And Mr. Val Heffelfinger.
0: Mr. Heffelfinger to you, Pablo. How are ya?
2: Not Dr. Heffelfinger yet.
0: (laughs) I'm, you know, it's been a long time, but soon Heffelfinger University will be awarding me my doctorate it will be coming your doctor in in Heffelfinger? Sure. <laughs> in Heffelfingering. <laughs> Ooh.
1: Heffelfinger studies. That's correct. <laughs> uh so I I to answer your question Sean I had a great weekend. I watched the Nova stream pretty much the entire weekend. Uh, I watched it all day th- well not all day Thursday. I was working Reese Reese listens to this podcast now guys. So um Reese, Reese listens to the podcast hard. now? Yeah, he does. He he um Is he just lonely he, without he, Frankie and so he just yeah, yeah, needs I think voices? That's what it <laughs> Just keep it company. That's exactly what, uh, No, just one day he just kind of came out of the blue and he's like, So, Pablo, you think I'm a sub rate player, huh? <laughs> I forget exactly what he said, but it was to that effect. And I was like, Whoa. You listened to the chapter tactics? And he's like, Yeah, I, I listened to it. And it was really good. And I was like, Oh, well, thank you, Reese. I'm going to have to watch what I say from now on, except I'm not <laughs> going to. Because I think the, the Reese ribbing is, is a time honored tradition on chapter tactics. Uh, yeah. But. We digress. Thursdays. Uh, Thursday and Friday I was working and listening to the live stream. Um, and I know that doesn't sound like a big thing, but to me it's a huge thing because I hate listening to battle reports on audio. Like, it's just like, uh, you know, mm. it, it, whether it's like a stream at a tournament or if it's like a mini Wargaming battle report. And this isn't to knock their content. It's just... A lot of, it's really hard to listen to a game of 40k and know what's going on and have people explain yeah. it to you. It's just, it's just hard. It just, it's, it, it it's doesn't a work out. Game. And, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, but the fact that I was able to, able to work and, and be efficient and I hit my goals for the month, woo, which is, nice. which is good. It's always, always important, but it means I worked hard. I was able to work and be productive and listen to 40k and, and listen to some really great invitational games in particular, um, I, you know, I, I knew what was going on. And occasionally, if something funny, I'd, I'd like click over real quick and see what they're doing. And it's usually like a close up of Jeff or Frankie. I think that was like <laughs> the big the big running gag all weekend. Uh, and then Saturday, I took a I took a day just to hang out with my family um, because Sunday I organized a viewing party with a with a few buddies of mine. And the five of us all got together. We put up the Twitch stream on the big TV. We grilled. We woke up Ungodly early, and we watched the <laughs> uh, whole yeah. thing through, like yeah, a whole thing through, and and it was great. We afterwards we played a lot of forty k games, um, we talked a lot of forty k tactics, we chilled. But I I was I was very impressed with the Nova Invitational stream or the Nova stream in general. And, I just um, wanted
0: I just need to interrupt you there and just say that good. it's really awesome that you tailgated the Nova Twitch stream. That's right? fantastic. I did. Like, that really is simple. that is a. I really hope that somewhere like there is at least a dozen other situations that were exactly like that across well, North America and the yeah.
2: world.
1: Yeah, and, and let us know in the comments if you guys did that. Um I know the first time I did it for I think the first time I did that for a non like Super Bowl event basically, basically like a, a like a streamer gamer event was the League of Legends Worlds in like 2013 when when hmm. SKT if you guys are follow League of Legends you know what I'm talking about but when SKT was like in their dominant form um, I woke up like at three or four in the morning because the World Championships was in Korea. So wake up, we, yeah. we all woke up stupidly early, and we drove to my friend's house, and and we just watched the World Championships, and it was just amazing. Like it was, I was like, dude, there, this is so nerdiness is at its peak right now. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. We've entered,
3: we've entered a whole new era with that kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be strange. Uh, it wouldn't be strange if you did that for the World Cup you know what i mean like it's just it's no, just another but, like form of entertainment of competition that you're watching it just happens to be toy soldiers
3: yeah yeah it's and, there's nothing yeah. inherently weird about it it's just the fact that uh, we've come to the point in, in in things that people do that for nerdy endeavors is like that's that's a huge shift from 10 20 30 years ago well
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. We, we also have
0: awesome technology like Twitch now that enables you know all these all these little micro genres to be able to do that and have yeah. everyone to come together in a live environment. That's just too cool.
1: Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to to the future now of 40k of 40k streaming in particular because I mean this the mm-hmm. success of the Nova stream and the success of like the stream at the LVO for example. Um, mm-hmm. Just open the doors for like, like imagine charity streams. Like imagine Alex Fennel playing yeah. like Mark Merrill of Riot and raising like fifty thousand dollars for a children's hospital. Screw that, that straight yeah. prize fight. Let's just get let's get like a a forty k. <laughs> I mean, let's get a forty
0: yeah. k. Don King promote it pay per view. Let's just skip the whole Twitch thing. We'll we'll just go straight to pay per view.
1: You know wow. I want to see I want to see Reese play Tony Grapondo in a pink slips winner takes all. Winner takes Ooh. the other person's army, death match. Ooh, Iron Man style, huh? Yeah, just just Tony Gripando and Reese, you know. Pink but slips. that doesn't
0: really work because Dana White doesn't get in the ring, you know.
1: Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it could be, I could honestly be anyone. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I I want to see, I want to see stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. Um, I, I think, I think if someone organized like, like uh, like Kenny Boucher. And um and Lawrence Baker, or um or if you were to get like Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions and Mini Mini Wargaming Dave, you know, 40k big 40k celebrities. Not like me. I'm like a minor. I'm like a D-list 40k celebrity, which is like a Z-list celebrity. Uh, but like big, pretty sure like, it doesn't A-listers. have a letter, dude. There's no letter. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a bottom tier. <laughs> I am I am the C team the on on the frontline gaming media team. But anyways, um. Uh, dudes, higher up on the totem pool, right? Like any it, anyone, it doesn't matter who. Um, I think
0: there's an opportunity to make dozens of dollars, and I can't wait. I think
1: so. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's exciting. Um, and let's just uh, we're gonna definitely we're gonna talk about the tournament, the Nova, uh, who won, the lists. Uh, we have a lot of data. Uh, our boy Peter from last week compiled yeah. more data on the Nova uh, Open and the
0: official chapter tactics statistician.
1: Peter. Yeah, the man.
3: Peter Peter went all out on this, because not only did he add in all the Nova data, like, shockingly quickly, I was talking to him halfway through the weekend, and he'd already compiled in, like, three-quarters of the Nova list. I was just like, holy crap. Uh, yeah, he was, he was on he top has, of it. He has also added a whole new set of filters, a whole new set of data categories. Uh, a lot of people were asking about, like, you know, Looking to see whether you could find out how many opponents victory, how many victory points opponents had scored against particular lists to see whether there were lists that were very good at denying the enemy victory points, cough, cough, Eldar. Um, and he's added all that stuff and a bunch more data in, and it's just like
1: it's amazing how fast
3: he has been doing a lot of this.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big deal. Um, <clears throat> anyways, sorry, Sean. Looks like you're looks like you're breaking out there.
3: Oh, am I coming to pieces?
1: Yeah, it's okay. It's the, it's the the internet still can't handle the 40K Dominance that got put <laughs> on Twitch this weekend. And the internet is still recovering. It's okay. The whole it's,
3: thing's it's all getting right.
1: shaky. <laughs> yeah. Um so we're we're definitely going to talk about all that all that stuff um in a little bit. Though I want to talk more about the uh, 40K Nova stream um and your guys's thoughts on it just a little bit more. Um you know, I I do I do have one big critique, uh, and I think that Jeff and Frankie would agree with me. In in I and I think that that we definitely need to mic the players or get some sort of clearer insight on what's going on in the in the games. Um, and the reason why I think that's really important is because a lot of times it felt like like there were specific moves that the players should be making that they weren't. Um, and mm-hmm. it was explained in post later on, like, oh, we just agreed that this was actually like the the knight couldn't make that charge, or, or the that power wouldn't work on that, or, or whatever, for whatever reason, something something wasn't going, it wasn't. It, both players agreed that that particular move wasn't possible. Um, yeah. And so there was a lot of confusion, and I think I think it, it lowers the credibility of some top players uh, when Joe Schmo. Well, it's the it's, it's got to
0: be super frustrating as as commentators to oh yeah you know be, be sort of taking guesses or shots in the dark based on you know some shadow puppets on your screen, and they do have like sort of a, a sideline correspondent basically that I think is typing them information as it goes. I, I got to play on the stream a, a couple years ago at LVO, and I think the setup is fundamentally the same. Um, I'm sure that both Frankie and, and Jeff are going to provide a lot of feedback to the, the GW guys because they have more or less been doing it the same way all the way through. So I think they got room to innovate there. But um, that's, that's the great thing about having a fresh pair, like two, two pairs of eyes and, and Mariana as well, you know, joining, that, joining the team in North America, I guess, um, oh. is that they can sort of bring in some new ideas and help innovate the way that, that
3: GW's had set up so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, if and if you don't mind my throwing in my two cents here, I'm not sure micing the players is actually the way to go on that. Uh, because a lot of the talk that's happening at the table is stuff that the people listening to the stream don't actually care about or need to know. It's kind of just background chatter because, you know, anyone who's played a game of 40k knows that there is... A ton of kind of the minor bookkeeping going on just keeping your opponent up to date with what you're doing um, whereas that's not really what's important during the game I think the commentators are actually a lot more important there Um, that that if they're filling in the details you know he said they couldn't make this charge so this is why he's choosing not to do this or whatever or you can see that Jeff has looked over and knows that he's a not able to do this so he's trying this other thing instead um that that is a lot more meaningful than listening to the player's direct input because the player's thoughts aren't really on the spectator side of the game they're on playing the game yeah Uh, if you you
0: look at um the way other sports are covered like normally like for, I love using the example of golf. Golf is a really great, I think, oh, way yeah. to think about how you cover uh, 40K. So the way they do that is, you know, there's always the guy who's whispering and talking about, okay, I think he's drawn a 7-iron. Well, he's, he's, he's actually whispering because he's 10 feet away from the action, and he's relaying yeah. that back to the commentators who are giving you context for what's actually going on. So, there's, yeah. so I think maybe even something is – like you can do it a couple ways. You could mic the players and have – And have that feed rather than going to the stream, going to Mm -hmm. the guys in the booth. um, In which case, they've got to learn how to have people talking in their ears and be able to have a conversation. Another thing that, you know, guys, we take this for granted all the time. Guys on TV, they all have earpieces. That's a producer in their ear feeding them information about what's going on and what they're supposed to be talking about next. And that's like a hard skill to learn. Um, But that is how, that's how like, you know, media has solved these riddles before. And I think it's just about... You know, mm-hmm. what can you apply for, you know, a cheap ish cost, you know, what, what simple things can you do that would help relay that information from the table to the booth?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with both of you completely. I think the focus the at least the audio focus should be on the commentators one hundred percent. if you watched the the Beast Coast. Stream, um, <clears throat> uh, that was happening at the same time as the the GW Warmer Community Stream. Uh, it was significantly less uh, viewed and, and significantly harder to watch because the mic was just on the players. They didn't have um, commentators, like so. It was, it, I, yeah. in my opinion, it felt like that was a little less easier to watch and listen to than the GW stream.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: Oh. Uh, so,
3: commentators go, go really make the stream work <clears throat> because. The reality is, especially at a high level game, like if you're streaming top table, 95% of your viewers won't understand the decisions that are being made there without someone to give them context. And if you're losing 95% of your viewers right there, like, what are you even doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could look at, um, you know, one of the greatest football announcers, you know, American football announcers ever, uh, John Madden. He was—he's color. He was in play-by-play, and he would say the most rudimentary things oh, yeah. that were almost nonsensical a lot of the times. But he was incredibly popular because he related what is an incredibly complicated on a mechanics level game, which mm-hmm. is football. Like the average viewer of football is actually watching a game that's and and understands at a level that's very different to what's actually happening on the field. And so that's really colored by how the the commentators simplify it and make it entertaining, because you know the way the the complexity of an NFL offense and the you know the, the way a defense reacts to it is just far too difficult to convey in any any simple terms to someone who just flipped on the channel.
3: Yeah, and you certainly would, unless you were a true expert, you wouldn't be able to interpret that just from watching the the raw visuals itself. You would have to be an incredibly talented player and or coach in order to be able to see what was going on just from look, looking at a stream footage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, and and um I think I think the some of the solutions you guys mentioned were were pretty spot on. Uh, I personally think like a sideline reporter is probably the best. You got like Someone mm-hmm. who's already keeping track, of keeping score of both players, um, you know, kind of staying out of their way, but also looking and listening to them and see what's going on. And then whenever yeah. something controversial, like basically Jeff can press a button or, or uh, ring a bell or whatever, and then the person will be like, oh, you need me to clarify this thing. And then, boom, screen on them. And they're like, well, John, the both players agreed that blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> does this and that's why the knight's still alive and we'll see where it leads mm-hmm. next back to you they, you know, they like that. actually
0: that is actually what's going on right now just it's all done right. done through chatting back and forth and yeah um,
2: yeah
0: yeah I, I, don't, I don't i don't maybe maybe even something as simple as having a walkie-talkie but i think they're also worried about um asking questions that might uh influence the game i think there might be some concern there like if yeah. you're if you're trying That's to cover right. it and, and and asking like oh uh, why is that you know like uh, how many wounds well, left on that model you might be <laughs> you might be calling out something that the one player didn't realize was there yeah so, no one who knows. wants
3: to be the guy who sort of like sidles up to the game and says hey why didn't you charge his warlord <laughs> and then the player looks over and is like oh i can charge his warlord right right it's like no you no one wants that to be happening in the game so yeah. there there doesn't need to be a certain amount of sort of discrete observation
1: in it but yeah, and it's, and it, go ahead oh i was going to say and i think this is leading more and more towards um what we've mentioned on this podcast before and that's like a professional circuit or uh, player signed contracts or just something something that that Helps players understand that, that that they're on a stream and that there needs to be some sort of level of professionalism or accountability held, right? Because, um, uh, for example, if you if you have a if you like for example what happened last year at the at Nova when uh, Pajama Pants conceded in the beginning of the game and there was nothing to watch for two hours, right? Like that's like yeah. a ratings killer. Like, could you imagine if if Tom Brady was like, oh, I threw my second interception of the day, I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, sponsors, too bad. You guys got to waste two hours. Like especially if it was something like the Super Bowl, right? Like obviously yeah. that that's unheard of, <clears throat> and you know there are things that you have to watch out for, and there, I, I can understand why GW would want to watch out for them. Like for example, if a player uh, dropped an f bomb on stream or a bunch of f bombs or or something, yeah. you know you can't hold these players account. There's nothing. There's no contracts for them. There's no money. You're not paying them. You know these players are are, are playing and and being on the stream. You know, as volunteers, essentially, right? But that so, is
0: probably part of the math as <clears throat> to why they don't like players, because you can't control, you know, what players are going to say or what what they're going to do. And ultimately, you know, this is a this is a marketing channel for for Games Workshop. They want to make sure that they look as good as possible and and right. how they're being presented. So yeah, I I, I get that. And, and yeah,
1: we're. And, and and it goes beyond just like the players talking it, it's like it goes down to like cuz i've watched i've watched mariana and i've helped her with elbio stream, so i know the problems that mm. that come with players just not following directions or not knowing what's going on like it comes yeah. like the with a uh, score keeping right a player might not keep score correctly and then that translates to an incorrect overlay or players not communicating what their command point how many command points they have left um it's just there's mm-hmm. a lot of a player needs to be communicating not only to their opponent but also to the the stream and the people who the person who's running the overlay and the announcers. It's, it's, maybe, it's maybe
0: the maybe the sideline guy should be the scorekeeper on the stream. Yeah, is I think as as I that? think
1: that's probably a good. I think that's a good call. But it, it just it ultimately comes down to if you want to put up a good show, a good production, uh, everyone needs to be on board. Everyone needs to be working towards that goal. Uh, and and that's not forty k is just streaming. It just isn't at that level yet. And I'm sorry, Val. I. I you let me go ahead, and then I took it. I, I ran with my direction. But what were we gonna say before the uh, before I went on this tangent?
0: I blacked out. What were we talking about? I don't remember. I'm sure I it was great though.
1: Warhammer or something. I don't <laughs> yeah,
0: know. it had something to do with Warhammer. I, I also want to say, like, um, as you know, as great as um, well. I first of all, I mean. I consume all of the frontline gaming, you know, media. I get to participate on this podcast, so obviously, I was pre-wired to really enjoy Jeff and uh, and and Frankie. Um, but I, you know, I think it, this was not only the first like forty k live stream that I found entertaining. It was the first Twitch thing I ever found entertaining, and and it was also the first time that I realized what's so cool about Twitch is the ability to chat uh, with other people watching the game. So it's like. Yeah, it's it's more of a a communal experience, especially when you're engaging with the chat rather than so it's not actually all on the commentators, um, because there's also the commentary coming from the the sort of the side chat, which was really, really cool. I'd never actually experienced that before. And turns out this Twitch thing is uh, popular.
3: Yeah, I think Says old, that is one of the big strengths of, uh, well, I mean, it's not obvious until you're actually a part of it, but one of the big strengths is that you have a, a communal environment. Um, it's it's that sort of like, you know, online tailgate, basically. You have a bunch of folks you're hanging yeah. out with and, uh, you know, kibitzing as you, you watch the, the stream and like, ooh, what's he going to do? Where's that going? What's this happening? Do you think he's going to be able to make the charge, etc.?
1: Yeah, and, yeah and, and on that same kind of topic, go ahead, Val.
0: No, I was just gonna say they, I thought they did a great job again because I've never really noticed this, but they did a really good job of instead of checking in with the chat, they were just sort of constant. And this might be some of uh, you know Jeff's experience in 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 doing this. He lives on Twitch, like yeah, he was he was not just they weren't just like oh now and now we'll look and see what's going on in chat. They were they were constantly interacting and engaging with. They were using them as a help when they were like. You know, confused by you know a rules thing. Um, it was it was it was very organic how the the chat was a part of the the experience. Which again, that's just something that was a surprise to me about how this medium is is different than say watching it on TV or whatever. I would also yeah. say that like a lot of people were saying, this is the best stream." And there's a lot of like um, positive stuff for 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 uh, Jeff and Frankie. However, I think there was also some. Like people who like Warhammer Live has you know it's it hasn't been to my taste, but the, it has mm. built up obviously enough of a following to keep it going for a year and a half, two years almost now. Um, yeah And uh, some of those guys were were a little bit jarred, I think by you know some of the sar- a bit of the sarcasm and the fact that you know Reese not Reese um, Jeff and Frankie were were uh, you know critical at times of, of decisions players were making. They were making fun of players. Um, you yeah. know, it was all in good fun, but you know, I do think that did rub some of the audience wrong some of at least a, a portion of the audience the wrong way, which I thought was funny. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I I mean, I thought it was all in good taste. Um the the not the body inch, for example, oh, was no. kind of funny. <laughs> um oh, but man. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Perhaps yeah. that's the real source of the brown magic.
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, that's <laughs> no. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But um, I, I I actually like that you brought that up, Val. Um, I actually what I what I've always kind of not liked about a lot of the Twitch streams or a lot of the the I don't want to call them unprofessional, but the um less established gaming competitive events is the the kind of like good old boys, you know, um inside joke feel of a lot of the casters and announcers, right? So, um and, and I did kind of get that from Jeff, but being one of the good old boys, one of the guys, the inside joke guys, I understood everything that was going on. So like, I knew I got it, right? But um being an outsider and watching streams uh, where the announcers talk about things and they're like, oh, well, there's Mike being Mike again. And I'm like, well, I don't know who, who the hell Mike is. Like why? <laughs> you know, so so I, I do wish that um, there was a little more professionalism. In some of the th- some of the things that Jeff and Frankie said, but it's not. I, I'm nitpicking, and it's not something that I think is ultimately super negative. It's just it's just a nitpick, and and yeah. I just want to evaluate or elaborate more on what you said, Val.
0: I think, that but also I think that's a super good insight because we take for granted that we know who Nick Nativati is, right? Like right. Because and he's like the most notable player. I bet his name recognition amongst 40k players is like single digits you know what i mean like two
1: percent which is a big number (laughs) yeah that's like that's like people know who you are
3: yeah it's not a lot
1: yeah yeah and and it's we are still a small the competitive 40k scene is still a small pie of the overall warhammer 40k you know and this is
0: and this is a medium that reaches out to all of that right like so that's that's uh that's something to be uh, I guess aware for for them to that they got to be and they were working at that, though. They were they were like as much as we're sort of on this, like there were a number of times where they, you know, provided that context. They broke it down because they were always had an eye on the chat. They could see when someone was confused or when they were being called out on like, I don't know who that is or I don't know what this does. They would very like they were happy to like fill people in as it went.
1: Yeah. And and yeah. there's one there's one philosophy that Reese has always been pounding into my head. Um, ever since I started really working for Frontline and being a face of Frontline, um, and that's that for every one comment or for every one post that you see, there's usually hundreds of people echoing the same sentiment no matter what it is, right? Yeah. So if there's one guy who's like, what's this? What is? What are these models? There's probably like a hundred other people who just clicked on it because it was on the front page of Twitch or maybe they accidentally clicked on it and they're thinking the exact same thing. <clears throat> and so it is important for, for Jeff and Frankie to answer those questions. They were doing a great job too. Um, but yeah, it, it was really exciting. I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what, what you listeners thought. Uh, I know a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast are people who go to big events. I know a lot of people who went to Nova also listen to this podcast. Um, and so, you know, whether you're, uh, an avid listener of chapter tactics or you've never been to a 40 K tournament before, um, or you're trying to get into the scene or you live, you know, out of the country, um, and you don't know anything about what's going on or whatever, whatever background, 40K background you come from, um, let me know if you listened and watched to the Nova chat. Just let me know what you think. Um, I'm genuinely curious, and I would like to get a general gauge of, of how the listeners on this podcast and, in 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 some sense, the community of 40K, um, how they reacted to the Nova stream. I think it would be very good for, for Jeff to know and, and certainly for myself, and, you know, we can relay it back to the right people and, you know. See, we'll see where this train takes us. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, any any other final thoughts on the Nova stream, guys?
3: Not so much on the stream. I sadly didn't get to catch as much of it as a lot of people, but I'm going to try and catch up a bit later because I know they have a lot of that archived for those who aren't aware. So, yeah, yeah. it's
0: it's subscriber only, but if you're uh, yeah. Amazon Prime, you can use your free, free Prime one, which I'll, I'll be doing going forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What would you, Pablo? What were your, what were your, what would you say is the, the highlight game? If someone was just going to go back and watch one of the, because there's nine or ten games
3: streamed. I,
1: yeah. I uh, it's 10. I would, yeah, I think it was nine. Yeah, there was nine. It was nine games. It was eight games streamed. It was, oh, it well, was, well, it was no, no, four sorry, no, day one was, and then three, yeah, three, three. There was eight from the open and four. So there were twelve games streamed. There was eight oh, from the open okay. and four from the Invitational. So you had your top thirty-two, your top sixteen. No, yeah, your top eight. Your top four, a, your finals. A that's, lot of games. That's 13 games. That's a lot of games. Um, I think this question was actually an, asked during the chat um, of Jeff and Frankie, and I think I'm going to echo their sentiments. I think the Ganyo, not not Ganyo the Nick Navadi game. Um, I think where he played mm-hmm. Justin Curtis. It, it was yeah. it, it was Nick playing Justin Curtis or Nick playing a chaos player. Um, that was I, I uh, Jim Vessel, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, it, yeah the Nick Navadi and Jim game. Um, yeah. that game was was very very entertaining. Um, Local there was Toronto definitely some tactics comes there. Back. Yeah, uh, I would I would say that was one of the more one of the more uh, highlight games for me. Um, I also really liked the the game with Alex Fennel and Brandon Grant. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Not because not because uh, it, it was kind of a blowout. It was over by like turn three. Um, but there was the the movements between their knights and the what you expect uh, both players did. it. Did, didn't do what the audience expected the players to do, and so just watching the game because knights are very easy to watch on stream. You know where the knights are. You know what the model is. Like they're they're very clearly like you know what's going on. So it's it's super clear. Um, yeah. You know where the objectives are. So watching players play knights is 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 always kind of clearer and nicer, anyways. Um, but Alex Finn and Brandon Grant are both very meticulous, accurate players, and so there's a lot of weird nuances and movement tricks um, that you you could clearly see happen. And at the same time, both players were making these oddball moves, and it turned out to be this really, really kind of interesting game. And it, don't look at the Invitational bracket if you haven't already, because um, if you ha- if you don't know who won that game, I don't want to spoil it for you, because it's actually kind of silly um, how back and forth it goes. Uh, and just watch it. Like, knights in general, god, knights just don't die. Like, it, you know... Yeah. <clears throat>
3: I just hey, want to. We, do we want to dive geez. into the the pool of discussing lists? Oh, and we'll do that. I, just, I think this is a good transition. Yeah. 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 All right. All right.
0: I just. Uh, I have one one thought. One thought. Go ahead. One Val. Thought. Okay. Go ahead. Throw my thought thing. would be. My final thought would be, and I hope maybe someone out there is listening that they get some high contrast, even if they want to keep it, you know, narrative, so it matches the theme of the table. High contrast objective markers, so that it's easy to see where they are, because mm-hmm. I find it very hard to see, and oh, also. Yeah. That's a problem
3: on any table, though. Even when you're playing at the table, it can be hard to track the objective markers.
0: Sure, I mean it doesn't. They, they could be. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be like uh, orange camo, but you know, something like that maybe. And uh, the other one is just like basic understanding of, especially when you have missions that have uh, player-driven uh, choices that, like, there be that listed somewhere so that people know why players are yeah. doing what they're doing. But anyway, yeah. that's it.
1: Yeah, and that and that, that kind of goes back to the the producer or announcer or you know sideline yeah. reporter kind of deal like i feel like all that falls into the same spectrum also to speak some positive before we go on the madden the madden drawings the arrows mm-hmm. and the circles and the dots was amazing they, well, that's yeah. what we've always wanted they were like oh if this librarian charges this guy and goes up this alley he'll take this objective here and he'll win it's like,
3: it, it looks dude. stupid, but it is honestly so important for being able to communicate the flow of the game to the players oh, yeah. that it's it's incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, and and if I were on that that I would use it all the time. I'd be like, yeah. here's the objective here, and this guy is a captain, and you know. Anyways, mm-hmm. sorry, cut out there for a second. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, so let's go ahead and go on to the uh, the whole thing. So let's let's talk about the invitational. There wasn't. There's less to talk about in the invitational at in the Open. In the Open's a whole whole other ball game. Um, <clears throat> so if you don't know what the Nova Invitational is, it's uh, 32 players are invited to compete in a 32-person single elimination tournament at Nova. It happens uh, the day before the Nova Open tournament, which had over 200 attendees this year. And they have the finals at 7:30 in the morning on Sunday, and the whole entire tournament is on Thursday. The rest of the tournaments on Thursday. So it, it usually features high level players, uh, well-known players. If you listen to this podcast, you probably we've probably mentioned each of these players at least once. I, I, I was looking through it and I, I know for a fact I've mentioned almost everyone. Uh, except for Evan Slagle. Slagle? i don't know how to pronounce your name, last name, Evan—but I just mentioned you right now. No, that—that's FT. That's for Facing the Great Tide, Evan. Evan, right? Val, help me I, out. I—I think so. I think it is. I think yeah, it is because sure. he's an NIDs player. Then, then I have mentioned Evan. I mentioned Evan last year because I played him last year. Was uh, Evan he on I'm, the show? He—he—he he, he wasn't. I don't. I don't remember. I—I've had so many guests. Uh, Evan, I apologize if you were on the show cool or if i was on if i was on your podcast cool if not um i, I don't remember your last name i only know you as f you know facing the great tide evan so but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's that evan because because he's the only other evan in the top in the 32 invited And he was, certainly would be invited he's a good player and a, a community leader so um but yeah looking through it i don't i don't carl Vella, uh, uh, I, I think that's it. Just gotta say,
0: it looks like the first round was a was a was a tough day for podcasters.
1: Uh, well, there is <laughs> the forty the k a...
0: personality bracket did not do so hot.
1: <laughs> the, the, there, there is certainly um uh, <laughs> a, a need to to you know, and, and a lot of those guys are good for this tournament too, right? Like like Glacial Geek, Phil Hall. Tons of people were asking were asking about him. Uh, tons of people were asking about Phil, um, who who actually was on the stream. He played, um, he played uh, Nick Rose. That was actually the very first stream game uh, oh. of the day.
0: The best general himself, Adam Abramowitz. Yep, Adam took, was there. Took, took it on the chin versus uh, Matt Shackman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry guys, my my daughter walked in. She's looking at the bracket right now. I think she, I, she unfortunately <laughs> wasn't watching, keeping up with the Nova stream. So okay. Uh, but anyways, so so what do you guys? Did you guys submit... First off, did you guys submit a bracket results or a bracket prediction, and did it go your way?
3: No, I didn't really get into that sort of thing. It's it's not my cup of tea, if I'm being honest. It's, it's a neat game, but it's not usually a thing that I'm jumping into. I'm
0: gonna say right now that maybe next time we can assign podcast homework, and that Ooh, way we'd all have yeah. much better answers for this. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> no i did not fill out a bracket unfortunately although i i probably would have at least gotten out of the first round okay <laughs>
1: oh man S- sorry about that um my daughter my daughter just came by looking and um she smelled of of uh fecal matter and it, mm. it was overpowering it's a
0: bit of an overshare probably
1: i'm so- you know what i'm sorry guys but i'm a dad i love my daughter uh that is the reality of of uh, the father situation is sometimes your your kid just comes up to you and smells like they're, poop. They yeah they just smell like poop. And it was had the situation that had to get oh. taken care of quickly. But <clears throat> um, anyways, uh, so Sean, next year next year I'm assigning you homework. All right, all uh, right, and you know did, at least predict, submit a predictions um, or or you know anyways.
0: I think I think. <clears throat> Now that we have the forty K statistician and Peter, that we should also create him as just. I'm going to deputize him right now as the official forty K bookie and odds keeper, nice. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we can we can have some some lines ready for uh, for the LVO as we come into it.
1: <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, Fully licensed ha- FLG. Betting. <laughs>
0: handicap handicap the LVO. Create it. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> well,
1: spread and, uh, on this game. <laughs> And uh, Val, how did did you submit a prediction, or did you have predictions going? Going? Uh, in?
0: No, as you were dealing with the poopiness, I was uh, filling time and saying that I did not, in fact, uh, yeah. do it. That's uh, okay.
1: That's okay. Um, so my predictions is uh, I actually yeah, let's talk about well. your
0: bracket. How'd you do?
1: <laughs> I got twenty out of thirty-one correct. Oh damn! Um, so Ooh. so okay, I, I did. You should start I, a podcast. Right, right. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, I, I predicted Tony Kopac in the finals, and I predicted the first. Uh, the the one through four seeds, or I guess the the first four, the top bracket, all correct, like Tony Kopak, uh, Andrew Gagno, that that side. I got all that correct up to up to Tony Kopak uh, losing to Brandon Grant in the finals. Um, speaking of Brandon Grant, I had him and Alex Fennel playing, but then I had Brandon Grant winning that. and then I had Nick Donavati losing to uh, one of Alex Fennel or Brandon Grant, um, <clears throat> which was kind of correct. Mm. So overall, I, I think I did pretty well. and usually, Usually I do pretty well at the, with the brackets. The only, the only one I might, I might suggest, or the I might have changed is I shouldn't have been on Reese. Uh, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> Reese basically, Reese losing basically ruined most of my bracket because, because I had him going to losing the Cavadi. <laughs>
0: was he like standing over your shoulder as you picked your bracket?
1: No, no. It, it's because w- what happened is, and, and this is something we're going to talk about that Open because Reese did pretty well in the Nova Open. Um, yeah. Is that Reese had this Space Marine list that was just absolutely designed to destroy, uh, like the the Castellan list that Knight Castellan and Guard Blood Angels really? list. Really, like Is that it, what it, he the Space Marine it for Sean? You don't Thank you, you understand? We I, I, we yeah. he played this matchup like three times, yeah. Uh Right before Nova, when we we all played, uh, me and a buddy of mine, Keith, played that Castellan list, and we played Reese, and. And he he was doing so well, and like we we're okay. Like we we're Frankie was like, oh, it's this like the is same good. as
0: Tony Kopac, pretty much.
1: <clears throat> right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Pablo, you got to answer this for me. How <laughs> sure. How did he sure. kill the knight? You know, he 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 kills the knight with the devastators. Eventually, with the rolls to hits. With their the hits. heavy bolters. But, but to be hundred percent honest, <laughs> come on. Oh, he come took on, a, Pablo. he did take out the missile launchers. You're right. But um, yeah, the way come he wins, on, is he kills, The way he wins is he kills the rest of the army. That that's that's it. The way he wins is he just that's not obliterates enough. all the guard and it, you know what you know he what. He doesn't John? have
3: he doesn't have the bodies. <laughs> he can't absorb the fire from that night every turn. Uh-huh. Some lists can do that, like a, a chaos list with hundred and twenty cultists can just suck up that night's shooting and ignore it the whole game. But Liz, Reese's list can't do that. You
1: know,
0: I'm so gonna have to have for the on. for the viewers yeah. at home because this is a bit of an inside baseball conversation. That's what true. was Reese's list?
1: Okay. So, oh, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. It seems like you're uh, ready to go.
3: Um. So, so, I was looking over his list, and I'm going to give Reese credit here. There are a lot of people in the comments section, or maybe one person in particular, given Reese a lot of shit about his list. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of them saw it as. Right. Um, but his list is pure Ultramarines. Um, and he's basically bringing six squads of scouts to hold the field, essentially. Um, a smattering of HQs, including both Tigurious and Big Bobby G, um, to give him a, a solid kind of, like, support element to things. And then a big block of stern guard, the banner guy to get a shot every time someone dies, and a bunch of be- dev squads with, I believe, all heavy bolters? I don't think he had any other guns on
1: them. He might have had one missile launcher in there because he was talking uh, about. Oh yeah, using he the must flak.
3: have. Is his list is kind of cut off a little bit, so I'm, yeah. I'm assuming what wrong. the bottom like unit and a half are. But the my complaint with the list um, is essentially that it has no way to deal with a vehicle. Um, yeah, chipping wounds off with heavy bolters when you're rerolling with Bobby G. That'll do some damage, but you're not going to bring down a knight that way. There's no way you punch through a three-up invul and do 28 wounds to a knight that way.
1: Yeah, but to be fair, the knight doesn't really do a ton, like doesn't really kill him a whole lot. I guess it does. Uh, it kills turn one it kills, and... turn one. it kills
3: turn one. It kills all of your devastators. From there
1: on out, you have no game. But but. Is it really like like eh? They're just heavy bolters. Like, is that really that bad? And if they're in cover, they have a two up save. So, so Knight doesn't so care like,
3: that AP four plasma and vol- AP five volcano lance just chew right through it.
1: Eh, you got you got a hit, you got a wound. You're right, you're right, Sean. He's uh, rolling hits and wounds.
3: Here. He's Raven. No, he's rolls rerolls ones. fucking everything.
1: It, it rerolls ones, but but I, I get your point. I get your yeah. point, Sean. Um, uh, go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say, like, this list is
3: great against some of what you saw at the Nova Invitational. Um, these chaos lists that are spamming huge numbers of bodies, Reese's list chews those to pieces. All of those bolter scouts, all those heavy bolters, the stern guard and all of that absolutely destroys those armies. But it's got, it doesn't have anything for that night. And yeah, you can kill those sixty or eighty or hundred guardsmen in front of the knight, but if the knight and the two smash captains are going the whole game, then you just don't have anything left.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And and I I agree with you. So so Reese Reese actually. So let's talk about his game with 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 Juice because he played the list that his list was designed to beat. Right, like he yeah. played like round round one. He played uh, Stephen for Juice of the Long War Podcast, who is an amazing guy, great guy. Um, <clears throat> they they played and recently lost by five points. So it was, it was a pretty close game. And let me let me just uh, read what Reese his own words when I asked him <laughs> why he lost because we were all shocked that he lost because because we thought he was going to win because we were all sold on this this. Um, uh, you know, this list, this list to beat the Castellan list. All of us, everyone in the office. Uh, and, and I'd like to, i probably have him on the podcast or he'll explain it actually on Signals, Most more than likely mm-hmm. um, explain why, you know, it does. But anyway, so he said he played the actual worst game of 40k in his life. That's, that's verbatim. Uh, he forgot two psychic phases. He forgot to use his apothecary pretty much for the entire game. He forgot two charges that would probably win him the game and also forgot to shoot and charge a unit. And then he forgot (laughs) to use Tigerius twice in two important moments. So those are Reese's excuses for why he lost. Now, knowing Reese The reasons, Pablo. The the reasons why he lost yeah, you're right, not excuses, the reasons why he lost. Knowing Reese, the five points if if Reese like lost to Juice like forty to zero, I'd be like, Okay, Reese, you're full of shit. Like, you clearly lost because because you you built this poor list and and you don't know how to play forty K like or whatever, right? But sure. he only lost by five points, and I've seen Reese make these bad mistakes and do really well in the heat of the moment and gets good players. So I, I'm prone to believe that maybe Reese just got tackled coming out of the airport by by a bunch of uh, good-looking women who saw him and just immediately fell in love with him and All then right. gave him some sort of concussion, uh-huh. and he just brain farted and lost round one. I'm only willing way. to believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to buy that.
0: Or taking a bunch of meat bags uh, against giant mecha- mechanical doomsday machines is uh, questionable. But or, regardless, or, or, yeah. <laughs> regardless, uh, I'm pretty sure he did not recover from that loss, and uh, someone else won this tournament.
1: That's absolutely mm-hmm. true. So, so uh, the rest of the bracket, I, I had Adam Abramowitz um, beating Matt Shuckman, which which turned out to be a, a mistake. I had that, I had that kind of going. The other way, I should I should have betted on I shouldn't have betted against Matt Chuckman. What but, was
0: Chuckman? Um, uh, Sean, did you look at those lists? What was Shuckman running?
1: Uh, I hadn't. He was running a weird list. Yeah, he always he's always he running.
0: The... He he always plays Eldar, but he plays Eldar yeah. his way. God damn it!
1: Yeah, yeah, he played. He actually played. Um, <laughs> he actually played Juice, uh, round two on stream uh, on the Warhammer yeah. live stream. Yeah, I'll go back so if and you guys want to watch that. that. But essentially, Matt Chuckman's list was like nine Warlock warlocks on bikes like in a warlock council and it was like this big unit that's actually what he's been running since like six forever yeah yeah seer council yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) seer council death star type deal he ran the exact same thing he's been he's been running for years which which uh, works for him this is you know kudos to him um and that that's what he was running and and i I saw that and i was like okay I, i feel like i feel like the best general adam can beat that um, I feel like maybe matt matts hasn't he hasn't been hmm. performing to his standards in 40k events like as of the past year I'm not saying he's been doing terribly I'm just saying like match I'm matt Chuckman's used to like making the top tables at almost every event he plays right so he's a really good player um and that shows from his seating so i, I felt like like adam was poised for an upset there so I picked adam over matt Chuckman, which turned out to be a mistake and then the rest of the games uh, the rest of the games i just I just picked people, and I, I think they could have been toss ups, like Bruce Merker and Jared Friedman. Jared Friedman. I probably should have picked Jared, but that, I think that was more of a toss up. Um, anyways, that was Reese betting on Reese, and and uh, Adam was was what ruined my bracket essentially. So
0: there you go. You believe the hype.
1: I did. I I, I shouldn't have done that. If Time I had is the best of us. <laughs> if I had picked Juice over Reese, uh, my bracket would be like. Would be like twenty five out of thirty one or something. I like lost so.
0: people a lot of money in the ETC sweepstakes, so don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that's that's another thing I was talking to people about. That'd be really fun is a forty k fantasy. I think I actually mentioned it in the last podcast.
0: That's been in these somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, who won? Who ends up winning the old Invitational though?
1: Oh yeah. So let's let's go to actual tournament coverage and and yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So it was your final. Your final was Tony Kopack, uh versus Alex Fennel. So Alex Alex Fennel um, brought the pain with with three knight gallants and they were House Tyrannus knights. So they yeah. they uh, got to come back with d three mortal wounds, um, and I believe it's a House Mechanicum as well. So they can operate yep. at their highest tier for yep. command points. And so Alex brought the CP battery, uh, a Castellan. Um, and actually, I don't think I think the Castellan. I don't I don't know if he made the Castellan his warlord or not. But he brought the brought the guard battalions for the CP. Uh, and then anyway. he brought. Yeah, uh, he spent
3: the one CP to make it a character because everyone does. <clears throat> there's, just, there's no such thing okay, as Okay. So, yeah,
1: that. yeah. So, so then, so yeah, <clears throat> and then he had the Three Night Gallants, and it was just like a, a brutal list. Um, Three Night Gallants is really good. Uh, backed yeah. by Castellan, amazing. And then as many guard as you can fit, that's, there's not much more you can ask of a list. Um, it's, it's a brutal list. Uh, and then Tony Kopak was running his, his, uh, you know Costello his his EDC list essentially there might have been some modifications mm-hmm. but he was essentially yeah, running it was his EDC list different
3: but it, it's pretty much it's the same elements you expect from that IGBA IK army yeah uh, yeah yeah
1: and Tony Kobach, uh, I I don't want to say he ran the field but um he performed really well like he he actually played a mirror match in in Gagno uh, round 3 Mm-hmm. and uh only won by one point so that was a super close game i wish i i wish well, i foreshadowing the there game. so that yeah. that
0: took uh that that took away ganyu's uh, opportunity to back to back the invitational right yeah yeah that right? did he's the, he
1: was the champ but but he's still back to back to the open which we'll get that's to later blowing the lead that's blowing the lead <laughs> uh and then he played uh nick rose um for the semifinals nick rose also played on the etc team with Tony Kopak. so both of them have gotten a tons of practice in with each other, uh, mm-hmm. so they knew both their lists. and, and Nick going into that game, um, his, he said in the interviews, and as I've talked to him before, he said that basically that that that's a rough matchup for him. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I know that he, I know that he was going into that that game knowing he was the underdog, and a thirty eight to thirty game isn't something to sneeze at. It's a very good performance by both players, uh, and then Tony Kopak just completely annihilated. Alex Fennel 40 to 10. Uh, yeah, I think and, that's
3: a rough matchup for Alex. As good of a player as he is, those Gallants are they're nasty.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, I I think I mean, obviously Tony Kopac can just can just sit behind his cuz cuz as you guys if you guys watch the Brandon Grant and Alex Fennel game, which there was a lot of this, is is the Gallants are so easy to move block if you have disposable bodies. You know, yeah. and especially if you have those big L-shaped Nova you know, L shaped Nova ruins in the middle of the board. You essentially create these alleys for knights that the only knights can go through. Mm-hmm. And if you block those alleys with layering guardsmen, yeah. you know, unless you shoot like a Castellan or or dedicated firepower to kill those guard that are blocking the way, the, the Gallant's not going anywhere. He's just going to have to charge guardsmen, kill them, and then he's, you well, know, he's got another game. You know, oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. I was going to say this is, this is
3: a lesson that, uh, Nanavati has hammered home, and I think is very important for players to understand. Even if you have the shooting to clear those expendable bodies out of the way, your shooting phase doesn't happen until after the movement phase. Mm-hmm. You are still stuck in place.
1: Yep, yep. You so if, yeah, it, that's exactly right. And um, what
3: what this
0: uh, what this matchup to me really demonstrated was the efficiency of Smash captains. Oh, and, like, Jesus, just yes. just what, like, a complete... And I know there's a thousand other matchups before this that proved to the world how good Smash Captains are. But, like, when you juxtapose it's... them against the Gallants, like, basically mm-hmm. playing the same role in, in Fennel's list, you know, a Smash Captain is a fraction of the cost. It has Fly. It can be anywhere on the table whenever it wants. It's a mm-hmm. character it can hide. And it can yeah. kill whatever it touches just like that Gallant can. So, yes. you know, like, it was just... To me, like it's as cool as running the four knights is, and all. And I think I heard Fennel, uh, someone, someone in chat saying Fennel was just having a good time with his list. I don't know; it's a pretty awesome list, but like, yeah, <laughs> like the the uh, the the Smash captains' in common, basically the, the best shooting weapon in the game in the in the Castellan, the most toolsy dudes bouncing around a table in the game in those in those in those uh, Smash captains. I'm being pure John Madden here when I'm. Basically saying the obvious that like, I finally was like, I see now why this list is just so devastating. Why everyone calls it the best list?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's and and if you want to see this list dominate a list and and why why it's actually I think a little bit of a problem for the meta right now. Watch oh, the open, watch the finals game for the Nova Open. So not the Invitational, the very last game on stream, which should be very easy to find on the Warhammer Twitch stream. That's Justin Curtis versus Andrew Gagneau. And mm-hmm. There's one point when Justin Curtis needs Mortarian to live and Mortarian lives through an entire shooting phase but Ganyo has a knight or a blood angel smash captain lined up perfectly the smash captain goes into mortarian bounces off mortarian kills the smash captain and the smash captain fights again and kills mortarian yep. and and it's just like it it's this this little the, 130 point dude you spend like 5 command points or i guess in this space uh, eight or yeah like 5 or 6 command points and he just kills and you like, get back it two. It was like them. twelve wounds on a more. Turn. or yeah, you get back two yeah. of them. So you end up spending like two or three command points. But you, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're you're right, Val. They they're they are really good. <clears throat> he's
3: unbelievably points efficient for how much he can kill because yeah. he's so good at destroying things bigger than him.
0: By the way, that that exact scenario played out, if I'm not mistaken, in the Fennel game, where oh, where, yeah. the, where the Smash yeah. Captains take down those Gallants, and I think one of them was literally that same scenario where yeah. where he was he was he was he had survived he got and then the smash captain gets killed and then he doesn't survive yeah
1: and gallants are even easier to kill cuz they don't have an invuln save and they have a 6 up field of pain instead of a 5 up field of pain yeah. so so a smash captain hitting on 3s wounding with rerolling ones wounding on 3s with like with like anywhere between 6 to 9 attacks yeah smash smash captains exist
3: to destroy knights and also in the bargain, they kill everything else in the
1: game. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They 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 they're very specifically for killing everything in the game. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's I, mean, it's I to be honest with you, like as as we're talking it out, people are talking about like, okay, so what what fixes the meta? I think clearly, what enables yes, they're points efficient, but what really enables them to be insane is the you know limitless oh, uh, yeah. uh, command points.
3: We've, we've talked yeah. about it before, but the big problem with that Castellan list that runs the Two Blood Captains and the uh, Big Knight is that it has access to infinite CP to power, full, power all of its amazing stratagems. Yeah. Um, the fact that it can just, like, it can throw down, what, like 10, 12 CP a turn every turn of the game? That's absurd.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. So so. Uh, anyways, the good news is is GW has a lot of data to look at here, and they were yeah. there at the Nova Invitational, Nova Open. As a matter of fact, Robin, the the guy who wrote the rules for 40k, which which led to some really funny moments on stream when <laughs> when there were rules questions, and then there there was like people in chat going like, "Oh, that's not that that judge doesn't know what they're talking about." And it's like it's literally Robin, like the guy who who wrote the rules made the ruling. Like, it's literally that guy, like, you don't know what you're talking about, chat, which is, which is pretty funny. There's some funny moments there, but... Well, uh,
3: let's let's be fair to the chat. Sometimes GW writes rules that they clearly don't <laughs> know what the rule they wrote does. Sometimes. Even if they intended it to do one thing, the words they wrote down on paper and gave to us say something very different. Yeah. You, know,
0: you know that things have changed at, at, at GW HQ, because Every time they have a cool job posting, it's like it's it's it appears in my Facebook feed. But mm-hmm. when I see technical editor, yeah, like as a job posting, um, that that will be the day things have changed. Right,
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, but anyways, it, this the bracket was overall so it was a great it was a great time in the Invitational. Um, it, there was definitely as a lot of people mentioned there was a lot of Castellans lists in the so Invitational. Many. Um, shout out to Todd Silber for doing really well with, with Tao, uh and losing to Nick Rose, but you did win your first two games and then shout out for, to Nick Notavati for being the oh actually no Nick Rose. Nick Rose and Nick Notavati for being um two Xenos players to to you know make it to the, the semifinals.
3: Tide. Yeah. yeah,
1: <laughs> <clears> tide. <throat> yeah. So so overall I, I think it was a very fun invitationals to to um, look at and it was exactly like last year's invitational when when the, you know you knew this is what the be- the cream of the crop best lists are and what the best players are running if if you've ever wanted to know for sure if you wanted to know what to net list or what to watch out for the nova invitational just like last year this is mm-hmm. this is it right so um, the open people tend to be a little bit more more fun or, or they they tend to build their list a little differently and you see a lot more variety and there's a lot more variation and parity um, however with invitational there is no question that the knight Castellan list is the best list, um, just judging by how many people brought it and how many people performed really well with it.
0: Before um, before we move on, I, I just want to like throw this one out to you guys. So it was a bit of a head-scratcher to me because I, I guess everyone kind of revealed their cards. Hmm. Um, and you can see some people definitely tried to sort of counter what was the obvious. Uh, you know, Castellan meta. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> sure. And, you know, came up short. Now nobody goes down swinging in the semis after beating Stephen Forrest's version of the best list ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so is this... Because I, I know, like, you know, whether it's a Nerf Hammer or a change or whatever, you know, the the, the guy who's, who's read, um, you know, playing to win is sitting here kind of thinking for the first time, maybe we need to let this play out. Maybe there is a counter out there to this that would just emerge. Or do we think that this is... You know, forty k is solved right now, and it, and there needs to be change. Uh,
1: that's a really good question, Val. Uh, so I think I think that there's definitely something that needs that needs to be said about about a a company waiting to nerf something. Um, just look at like what Magic does. They don't they don't they wait several GPS and several large event wait for results before they they move on something. Uh, though lately, Magic has been trending towards banning more things. Um, for example if you yeah. keep up with the magic scene in standard which is their kind of flagship uh, format they hadn't banned anything since zendikar in like 2012 or or whatever zendikar was that was a long time ago um no, they hadn't but they banned just anything did
3: a big swath of them recently yeah and
1: and like the past year as sean said they banned like eight cards and, and just oh, like it right many yeah wow. it's, it's like okay. aetherworks marvel Thelodar, sovereign uh yeah. see, anyway anyways it, it doesn't matter they, they banned a lot of cards like random cards and, and, and the targeted specific archetypes. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird that they've been, been banning so many cards. So it's, I don't know what, I don't know where, don't know where the, the balance lies, but I do think that, that now at this point, GW can pull the trigger and, and start nerfing this specific list. Um, yeah. Before Nova, I, I definitely said it, I definitely would have said that you don't shouldn't do it just because of the results of like the Capital City Bloodbath, where all the Inari did really well, and there weren't the, there this list results. wasn't
0: really there. This list yeah. wasn't really at, and, at
1: Capital City Bloodbath, and, and and I think I think it's it obviously has to do with with a region. It's obviously a regional thing, um, but I think mm. that Capital City Bloodbath. The, the players there. I think that they, they just have really good Inari players and the yeah. Castellan. The, like it, the, the
0: Nova, the Nova, etc. These, this is as this is the international meta, right? Like yes. when you're getting the GTS of the scale, you got people flying in. This is people mm-hmm. bringing what they consider to be the best. Sean, Sean, like, do you have any? Do you think the the riddle is solved?
3: So I think saying the riddle was solved is a little bit too strong of a statement. Is is the Castellan list just straight? Better than everything else in the format? Maybe not. It's certainly possible to beat it. Certainly a number of people have. Um, and I think that a good Yanardi general or a good Death Guard general or whatnot can beat this list. But that said, this list is really problematic because, among other things, the solution to this list is the mirror match. Your best way to kill a Castellan list is another castellan list um and that to me is very problematic because yeah yanari can pop off some psychic powers and like ram a couple units of shining spears in there if they get the first turn um but that's a big if and that's one of the things nick nanavati said going into the the thing is like why did he change his list so much because he knew that going second was losing um so oh go ahead sean Sorry, as, uh, so I think the problem is that, you know, we have this, this giant devastating unit, the Castellan, that is ruling the Meta. The counter to it is part of the same list, and the counter to Blood Angels is often kind of, like, tying them down with stupid nonsense or smiting them out, um, which are also things that this same list can do very, very well. So, mm. is the Meta but- solved? No, there's still, there's still room for some innovation and change, but we have a very clear front runner that I think outclasses probably 80-90% of the other lists, and worse than that, invalidates entire
1: archetypes. Yeah, um, and, and even more than that is, is this goes down to basic rudimentary game design and competitive theory and entertainment, is when you have oversaturation of anything, uh, it... it it's unfun and it ruins except the, the quality game except patriots <laughs> well well you the nfl can't nerf the patriots but sure. the nfl oh, can nerf to say they can the, but, uh, the nfl can nerf like like the passing game or i guess they in, sure uh, have. defending the passing game right yeah. the, but the point is is that if you you have this kind of oversaturation it doesn't matter how good the Castellan list is or even perceived mm. to be good it, what matters is is you yeah. just you can't have this kind of oversaturation period I was gonna so, say
0: that it was confusing to me when I when I saw the sort of the announcement of like because you only knew the factions coming into this invitational you didn't know exactly what everyone's list was so I was confused I was like if if everyone knows that this is the gatekeeper list why is everyone taking the gatekeeper list why isn't anyone trying to beat that and and actually Sean I guess you just nail on the head it's something I didn't realize is, is that because it's the best list for beating that list, which yeah. gets you to fifth edition gray knights, which is a legendary uh, era in 40k to me. But mm. you know that you know, maybe that is suggesting that you know this is a soft riddle right now.
3: And well, and I think I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Is lists will go up and down in popularity, and sometimes a list that is popular is only popular because it's popular, um, which feels very circular but it's Amongst kind of the true. best
0: players though amongst even amongst I, the best players hey i'm playing the artifact here okay, this is okay, what sorry, i necessarily sorry. believe gotcha, i'm just gotcha.
3: saying My bad. nerfing things just because they're popular i don't think is necessarily always a good thing because popularity will shift yeah but i think there is a lot of good evidence that this list is stronger than it should be yeah um it, so and, and to, yeah pay attention to what people are playing but also pay attention to what's winning
1: yeah, I'm, I'm gonna hop on the devil's advocate train too, uh, and say that orcs are right around the corner. Space wolves just sure. came out. Um, I don't think space wolves have the the power to make a big splash. No, they don't. Um, we
3: didn't. We haven't really talked about space wolves a lot here right. because there's been so much else going on. But here, let me. Here's our space Wolves episode. They're not worth it. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Long fangs, long, it's oh.
1: Longfang's doc codex, is what it is.
3: It's um, not even that, because guess what Longfangs do? Die instantly to a Castellan. Yeah. You <laughs> don't fire. even get they a blade die. of and bodies fire. like a, a Space Marine Devastator squad is. You're, six, you're five heavy weapons and six guys. That is the Castellan's favorite target right there. Yeah. Yeah. But we digress. So, anyways. Yes. So. Um,
1: Orcs are just around the corner, uh, like I mentioned. So I yeah. think GW, I think what you Gene do is... is Colt. You, Gene Sealer Cult. Gene Sealer Colt mm-hmm. 2. And, and, and look at Nick Rose doing well with Gene Sealer Colt. It, yeah. One Nick Rose is one Gene Sealer Cult Codex away from destroying the meta, in my opinion. Um, or one one overpowered or under unit away from destroying the meta and, and toppling everything on its head. But the point is, is that you have these two big codexes coming around the corner. You have this golden you know, era of 40k where where there's probably not going to be codexes released as rapid fire as they are now. We're we're coming up to the end of the rapid fire release for eighth edition, for 40k. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're GW, you come into this big FAQ with some small changes. So something something just to help out the community just a little bit. Nothing GW's crazy. you' so bad at making small well, changes. Though. Well, just just small small changes. Wait for orcs. Wait for gene Syracult, And then chapter approved is your big like. Like, well, Chapter okay.
0: Proof's printed, though. Like, Chapter Proof is, yeah. like, on the Chap- freighter. No, it proof, for sure no, is.
3: No, it, Pablo, it is a six-month process to get a yeah, book like that out. Uh um, Chapter <laughs> Proof is already at the printers being done being shipped if they cannot use chapter and the, approved to, to be clear uh, we're
0: not nda'd up uh we have no insider information whatsoever this is gleaned no. from years of studying when things happen and 100 percent chapter approved is 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 done i mean if it's releasing at christmas that's three months from now there's it's, it's done so right. that ship I, I has think, literally sailed
1: i think that That there's a little more. I I I don't know for sure. So this is not. This is someone who potentially could have insider information. Then you um, you potentially should be careful. But um yeah. (laughs) But uh, I am. I'm not. I I don't think. I think there might be some wiggle room there. I don't know for sure. You you know. I I don't know. You guys could be very well be correct. Um and I could be very well wrong. So I, I don't know for sure. Um though I'm hopeful that chapter approved does what I, you know, does that. That'd be cool. My,
0: my guess is like what I liked about the big fact actually was that they actually, I might be wrong, but I think they took a soft touch on actual unit entries and things like Hmm. if you, if you thought of what we, if you think of like what everyone thought was going to happen to Eldari and Yunari, and then what actually did happen, the very incremental points changes, Um, which maybe wasn't enough. But I think there was a soft touch there where they made a big change was in the format, was in the actual match play rules. And I think that is probably what we'll see.
3: That was smart. And I'm being a little bit unfair to... GW here, they've been so much better about the way they change things and the way they adjust the game over the past year, even compared to just the earlier parts of 8th edition where you had, you know, the quintuple nerf on conscripts and the 50-point increase on uh, uh, I've already forgotten their name, the the Renegade Psykers. Um So they've gotten way better about that sort of thing, but I, their, I think their inclination is still a little bit knee-jerky to kind of just like, oh, this thing is good. Well, now we're going to make it not exist anymore.
0: Well, right. also you, you got a you got a mob of people with pitchforks and and uh, you know torches, yeah. you know, calling for bloody murder. Um, you know, like then you know, yeah, they, that's probably what they're going to react to. And so that's yeah. also another great reason to have guys like you know Frankie and Jeff who not only are good at commentating but know this game very very closely are you yeah. know outspoken and like have experience in other you know competitive realms esports or are actually playtesting so like hopefully maybe that starts to bleed over a little bit too
1: yeah and mm-hmm. and i think i think you guys i think you're correct val um I, i'm not really super worried either way or even if they would no matter what the however the faq goes um, because I know that, that this weekend, Jeff and Frankie being part of the Warmer community team, they probably had some beers with the GW guys. I know I've had beers with them too. It, it's kind of it's kind of all a big, cool party where you hang out with all these guys who make the game that we all love. Um, and I, I guarantee you Jeff and Frankie are saying saying speaking the truth and telling them everything they saw at the tournament scene, and I trust Jeff and Frankie. Yeah. Um and, and Reese too. So so I you know, last year at Nova there there was like the Malefic Lord sky was falling. There's crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It was a lot of and then NGW took care of it. No big deal. We got the FAQs we needed. The the meta kinda settled down until the guard codex really took off. Uh, and then um, I think I think we're I think we're okay. I think we're in good hands. Yeah. I'm, I agree. I'm excited.
0: So uh yeah.
1: So so let's go ahead and jump into this the, the Peter stats. Uh Mm-hmm. so we' we're, we're gonna we're gonna skip we're gonna skip some of the the BCP looking at the top players, although I think I, I will give them a shout out towards the end of the podcast. Okay. but I know a lot of people really want to know what these stats are. Okay. So I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull the stats up on my computer because my computer's lame. So
3: we're, are we using only the Nova invitation or are we to look talking cumulative here? So, so let's, let's look just at just Nova the the I guess Nova yeah. open is what he has data yeah, for because yeah, let's have just the use the Nova level. open. okay. Uh, well, the first thing that I will sort of, like, throw into the wind here and see what you guys think. Yanari, still doing real well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we talked about them previously, where they were hitting 70%, and we kind of talked about, oh, is maybe this just an artifact of uh, some of the tournaments where there was, you know, seven Yanari players in the top 12 and stuff like that. And turns out, No. Um, even with way fewer Yanari players and fewer of them placing towards the top, Yanari are still hitting that 60% win rate.
0: Yeah, they definitely are still, uh, pulling well above their weight. Thousand Suns make
3: a pretty big appearance here too. Which I Uh, was very surprised by, although honestly I shouldn't be. Thousand Suns are greats. They have... So much great stuff. Uh, like if you think about like what makes a faction good these days, Thousand Suns are checking off just about all of the boxes. Yeah, and they when you yeah. include
0: the Nova results, they're they're uh, they're right behind Yunari in the when you when you look at the aggregate uh, yeah. of everything. So the, Unari Thousand Suns seem to be punching well above their weight at present.
3: Yeah. Yes, uh, and there's a there's a couple other. Like, a lot of people kind of excoriated us after the last one for, like, hey, you don't have enough statistical data to really be drawing strong conclusions, or you're making a big deal out of, like, two percentage points, and that's true, but like given the size of data sets in Warhammer 40k we we sort of have to overinterpret i'm sorry we don't have the right you know n s values and chi squared and stuff like this to really draw good statistical conclusions but we're working with what information we have here
0: and so, yeah we're yeah. also we're also dealing with you know significant outliers so like when you're pacing sure. the field by you know well what's the the well when percentage average is what? Fit, well, when you're ten percent better than than the field, yes, <laughs> you know that that is that is a that is a significant well, outlier.
3: And I'm I don't I'm not going to bore everyone with statistics. Um, strictly speaking, these numbers could be happening purely by chance. If you are hmm. a statistician who is doing some real strong analysis, for people like us. Sixty percent is huge. Um, we don't care about any of the kind of like, oh, what if this is the one in ten thousand chance? We don't. That's irrelevant to us. We're just yeah. like if if ninety nine thousand times out of a hundred thousand this happens, then that's good enough for us.
0: Especially two, like just to get back to like just to also talk about the uh, you know some of the some of the numbers. When when if if this sheet came back and it said that. You know, Grey Knights were winning 70% of their games. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a one in 10,000 chance that that's an anomaly because it does not line up with what the, um, you know, common um, player knowledge. Yeah. What, you know, what the, the gut instinct of the meta is anyway. Wh- whereas yeah. when you see, you know, that, you know, Astro Militarum is incredibly overrepresented mm-hmm. as both a primary and secondary faction, you know, that Imperial Knights are stomping face. You know, when you see these things that we know of, as outliers um, showing up as outliers, then yeah, maybe there's some some real causation and correlation there.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Overall, do you think you guys were surprised by these numbers or no? Not
3: really, no. I mean, we kind of, a lot of this was information, or at least the the list that were showing up was information that was all available to us beforehand, and a lot of people kind of had a, a decent intuition about what is going to be happening. I probably would not have called Thousand Suns this high, but like I said, this is not such a high number that I'm like, whoa, 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 that can't be right. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess Thousand Suns really are awfully good, aren't they? Um, Drukari also showing up as uh, quite high. I think the only one that really surprises me is Harlequins, but then I think like, oh, right, Harlequins you take to beat Imperial Knights. Um, you bring your 20 Skyweavers with uh, their Haywire Cannons, and that's how you try and beat the Castellan lists.
0: Something also to to consider, I think, uh, in in the Nova data and interpreting it is there's a smoothing, I think, too, of win percentages due to the bracketing system. Yeah. So you, you're going to have, more for half of your games, you're going to be playing um, other factions and list styles that are closer to your I guess, you know, default skill level. Um, right. So, you know, you're going to get, I think, a closer spread uh, between between the lists because, you know, like lists will fight like lists. Yeah. You're going to have the Grey Knights playing the Orcs, which is why, you know, you saw the Orcs at least coming close to a 40% win percentage. Yeah. All right.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and gray knights stepping up to twenty nine percent win ratio. Look, they're on fire. Send the world on points. fire. Yeah, ten points ahead of their previous performance. Right,
0: and that might just be bracketing. Maybe that, maybe that speaks yeah, to bracketing I, as being. A cool I think way
3: to do bracketing that. is definitely a thing. We should remember that it's like that's very real at Nova, and it produces some kind of weird results at times. Even though, like, you know, it's good for the tournament overall. I get it.
0: Yeah, everyone's got something to play for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you guys think about the the average opponent's victory points, um, stats or were, were there anything that jumped out at you? That is one that I did
3: not really have time to really like delve into really strongly, although even just a real cursory glance at uh the numbers has a couple easy giveaways. Uh one of the you know most unsurprising ones is Yanari again. It's like it's weird. We keep coming back to them because their numbers are completely out of line with everyone else's. How strange! So they're, um, they're
0: top, by the way. I don't know if you if you sorted that that column, but Yanari yeah. are the best defensive uh, yep. in this format. Uh, uh,
1: they
3: they give up um, twenty
1: three points on average. Tw- twenty three,
3: where the uh, faction average is more like twenty seven. Um and so they are a solid three to four victory points ahead of basically every other army, um and that comes down to a lot of stuff. But you know the boilerplate version is Yanari are good. Yeah. And let's let's contrast this a little bit here because like anytime we talk to these numbers, Yanari end up way on top and Imperial They're actually Knights, not the top scoring. Uh, uh, not the top scoring, but, you know, in terms of overall spread of these numbers, like, how what's their win percentage, what's their victory points scored, etc. Yanari come up very high, uh, whereas we are talking about how big a problem the Castellan list is. Um, the Castellan list is easy to build. A lot of people own guard, a lot of people own knights, a lot of people can convert up to captains. Um that drags its numbers down um that's you know it, it's a it's a little bit mean to say like anyone can do it but it's true whereas who owns 20 shining spears yeah <laughs> the players who went out after 8th edition began and converted up 20 shining spears because i guarantee huh. you no human being on earth earned, owned them before 8th edition they were a trash fire And I hope they stay cool.
0: Yeah, it's
3: (laughs) I I don't want to go into the mechanics of how you fix Yanari and how you deal with that, because, geez, that's a rabbit hole right there. Uh, Nick has been on the podcast circuit a bit recently talking about, like, what do you do to fix that? And I don't agree with everything he says there, but... I think he has a point that like the problem is the yanari rule. It's not the units that are the problem. It's soulburst. Um it's just an incredibly powerful mechanic. Yeah, so, and
1: and there's really like how are you going to how are you going to, you know, fix that? Like, uh,
3: like I said, I don't want to get into that because that's a whole podcast episode on its own. It's Right, right. Man, that is that is a can of worms, but if GW's listening, and, you know, maybe they do occasionally, here's here's what I would say. You have to fundamentally change the Yanari mechanic. It's not okay the way it is now. Um, you can't have extra units just taking free actions every turn. That's too much.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah but...
3: What other numbers do we have that we want to kind of pull out? I mean, we sort of have touched on the fact that Guard and Knights are... Pretty prevalent here. Uh, out of what 480 lists, we have 85 that include guard. Uh, so yeah, with 109 guard detachments of the army, yeah, um, and
1: 73 out of those those 109 detachments were secondary detachments. Yep. So uh, once again, uh, you know, same thing. Um, as, if you guys listen to last week's data, same thing. Astramilitary and secondaries perform better than astromilitarum primaries yep um well no actually actually that's not true in the in this particular instance um they're about the same yeah yeah they have about the same win rate the, the
3: the more relevant thing is that like you're seeing millions of guard lists uh and they are almost all a single detachment of guard mixed in with some other stuff uh because there are only what like Twenty duplicate detachments of guard, you know, armies that had more than one guard detachment. Whereas for pretty much every other list, your numbers are much closer to you know. You'll see a couple detachments of Blood Angels or Gene Steel or Cult or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh- yeah, and the prime, and, and just looking at primary detachment by the numbers, it's mm-hmm. uh, like you can see that that sort of you know knights and and guard combo is certainly way high up there. I guess there's. Uh, sixty-four primary detachments were either Militarum or Imperial Knights primary. After that, yeah. the Plucky Tau Empire, eighteen primary detachments. Oh, yeah, um, uh, well, continues to be a popular faction.
3: You can't bring anything else alongside Tau, so true. But nonetheless, hmm. I mean, they're
0: they're still they're still appearing a lot. They're the third most popular um, yeah. faction.
3: Uh, I I mean. I, I mean it's I not
0: like it's not like space marines are hidden in these numbers anywhere. Although they are the fifth most popular faction, 13 yeah. people primary, not just Reese. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: yeah it, there were a surprising number of Tau players. Tau is not a terrible army. It just suffers a lot from the the Castellan list. Um that Castellan list is so well poised to beat every Tau army in existence. It's It's harsh. That's why I'm not playing Tau right now, unfortunately, because I can't put together a list that stands any chance at all against that Castellan
1: army. Um, Dark Angels and Space Wolves gave up the most victory points. Yeah, um, Dark Angels giving up thirty victory points on average. Um, there are only six lists that actually ran Dark Angels. Uh, uh,
3: Gray Knights pull ahead of Space uh, Wolves. Uh, you're also right. Gray Knights the thirty
1: point mark. You're right. It, uh, it's actually your top three is actually Gray Knights, Dark Angels, and Space Wolves, all averaging thirty victory points. The armies that
3: can only field power armor.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and you know Space Marines did a little better with a twenty eight point four five. You know, it's just, it's just yeah, you, you those armies, the power army armies definitely need a little more love. Power armor um, is in a rough place. Yeah, I think I think we're going to keep seeing that trend um, if, like, a billion tournaments happened tomorrow and we got all the data for all of them. I think we'd see that trend through all the tournaments as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, th- there's not too much here that that surprised me. Um, there were a ton of Astro Militarum, a uh, ton of Blood Angels a ton of blood angel secondary detachments so a lot of smash captains uh, one one thing that peter sent me that's kind of funny is he counted a bunch of numbers um, and th- these are kind of funny little funny little uh, you know tidbits of information so for example there were 76 blood angel captains with thunder mm-hmm. hammers uh, <laughs> less than predicted those 7 well 76 out of out of um, 40 31 secondary detachments yeah. So out of forty one total detachments, there were seventy six Blood Angels captains, which means an intrepid like six or, or maybe you know, six or seven people are running like one instead of two or something. Something yeah. silly. I like think that. a lot of them it's were.
0: Very really well fistful. led. Yeah. Very
1: well led group of detachments. <laughs> um, and then uh there were only five lists were using Magnus and Mortarian. Uh though yeah. Justin Curtis did make the finals with Magnus and Mortarian, uh, which which I think is kinda interesting because Justin Curtis is is one of those guys who's been running that list, the Magnus Mortarian list, for as long as Matt Chuckman has been running Seer Council, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's just as soon as Magnus came out, Justin Curtis is like, boom, I'm running him. And then as soon as Mortarian came out, Justin's like, okay, Bash Brothers, we're good. Uh, it's just something that a list that Justin Curtis is known for, and he gravitates to. But to yeah. see, it, it's it's really cool to see lists that are so underrepresented that that perform really well. And I think and Justin Curtis even beat Nick Donavati in the in the in the quarterfinals semifinals mm, Yeah, he, he beat him he beat there. him yeah he, he beat him when nick nanavati was like primed to to once again you know meet Ganyu in the finals or something right right so
3: but <clears> yeah uh i definitely one of the takeaways from this tournament is like even the stuff that people think is kind of passe and is not great
1: anymore still actually pretty strong um the, there were 175 reported Imperial Knights, with mm-hmm. 35 of them being Castellan, which is actually lower than I thought. Uh, I expected yeah. more Imperial Knight lists to have Castellans. Uh, well, third... the rest were gallants. Right, right. <laughs> there were 38 um, Helverins, or yeah, 38 Armager Helverins. That's what he
3: had said, was the, the Castellan was not the most popular knight. The uh, no, Helverin came the in The Armager Helverins. It. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, I mean, you probably saw a lot of lists with, like, two Helverins and a, and a Castellan or something like that. Um, there are thirty knight gallants, um, which is mm-hmm. which is a lot of knight gallants. So that's a very I think it's I think the night gallant list is like the gatekeeper list. You know, you, you have the Don, the castellan, the castellan list with the guard and the blood angels. That's like the the primo top list. And then you have its little, you know, little step brother, three three gallant three knight gallant lists, and mm-hmm. and all of those variations. And, and I think those are those are definitely gatekeeper lists because the gallants are very easy to outplay and outmaneuver, but. For lists that aren't designed to deal with them, or for players that aren't don't know how to deal with them, they can be very very rough. Yeah. Uh, and then seventeen crusade knight crusaders.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably your your next place, isn't it? Because it's a Night crusader with the the gauntlet, so you can squish people. And yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh Mephiston showed up fifteen times in lists. Armon showed up mm-hmm. twenty one times in lists. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure why he included that, but I guess he's a big Mephiston and Aramon fan. Uh, there were 138 company commanders, leading 3,052 <laughs> infantry models, and yes. 349 mortar squads. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the best thing about that is we talk about, like, oh, there were, you know, 76 Blood Angels captains, which is uh, 66 more than there are in the fluff, which, you know, that's hilarious. Um, but that's, like, not even one PDF's worth of Guardsmen right there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know
1: what? That, that makes a kind of sense. Yeah, the, there were... The thing, there was 109 Astromilitarum detachments, and mm-hmm. there was 138 company commanders. Um, yep. So, basically, there was a company commander in every detachment, easily. Well, of course there was, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, um, no one decided to bring PASC and... and uh, you know, Creed or something. Well, I mean, people
3: were bringing, you know, other things, because otherwise there would have been another 70 or 80 Company Commanders, but, uh, like, you don't need three Company Commanders. You just need, like, one, maybe two, and yeah. then you fill it out with other stuff.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Now that Malefic Lords fell out of favor, Company yeah. Commanders are the cheapest HQ choice, right? Or one of the cheapest. Uh, In the guard list? Just period in general.
3: Um they are one of the cheapest. The Renegade Commander I believe is 5 points cheaper cuz he can't give orders.
1: Right, but he also he's also garbage.
3: Well, yes. I mean honestly <laughs> mm-hmm. so is the Company Commander. He just happens to be the garbage man who is the cheapest at leading a really really good army.
1: Yeah, and well, that, that's true. Yeah.
0: And he's a force uh, multiplier for all the other garbage you got to take. So it makes it all he's, sort of yeah, good. He's the
3: king if, of garbage. If, I mean if but if you think about it like if he weren't an HQ no one would take him. The only reason people take him is because you're required to take HQs and he's the cheapest.
1: Yeah. Um, there were also uh, 1,473 cultists. Yep. So uh, less than half of infantry. So mm-hmm. Chaos chaos are losing that fight. Um, but two lists had 350 cultists each. That's yeah. awesome. So, so half of the cultists that showed up at Nova were played in two lists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There you
3: and, go, and to be fair to Chaos, a lot of those cultists have turned into Zangors or or Pink Horrors yeah. over the years. Yeah, so really. uh, there's way more Chaos bodies on the field than there are Guard bodies.
1: Just oh, now. I don't think so. Oh, and that's good. That, that means no, that the, the average
0: cultist is is moving up in the world. You know, they're making <laughs> right? progress in their in their devotion to the the Dark Gods, and that's and that's great. I'm glad to see that. You know, there's some upward mobility in Chaos. That's,
1: well, that's well, called ambition. Well, Val. Well, Val, it, it, I'll have you know that this time last year there were this many conscripts on the board, and now all of those conscripts are infantry, which means they've <laughs> all moved up in the world. They've all. This is great. <laughs>
0: this is great. If only the real world was like 40k. Right, no, right. No, that's a terrible Ooh, thing to say. We're An getting closer. Uh-uh. So. <laughs>
1: And then 36 Blightlord Terminators showed up in lists as well. <laughs> and none of them showed up at the top, so guys, oh, well, you know, Terminators are was, still not good. There was uh, 36 Blightlords and 18 Death Guard detachments, and there were five Mortarians. Oh, actually, no, there were probably more Mortarians than that, but there were five Bash Brothers. So I would imagine oh, yeah. like a few people, probably like three or four people, decided to bring Don Hooson's uh, Blightlord Terminator list and then quickly realized that Don Hooson... They're not Don is, Hooson? Is, yeah, yeah. Was, they are not Don Hooson. On a magical BAA. day
0: in 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 August, <laughs> um, so I I don't know. Uh, call me crazy, but uh, who won the Nova Open?
1: That that's going to be Andrew, Mister Andrew Gagno himself. Yeah.
0: Andrew Gagno, one of the finest men. He he one actually repeated
1: that the and you know kudos to Andrew Gagno. back to back. He he yeah. had a he was coming off of a really bad etc performance. Right. Well, He's that wasn't a bad ETC man.
0: performance. It was a. It was a. a it, it was a, He had to do what he had to do. Performance. personally
1: That's true. It was a. He had to do what he had to do. Performance though, considering the ETC performance the year before, when he, he I think he went undefeated or he lost one game. Pretty sure he went undefeated though, because because yeah. there there were a bunch of people on the U.S. team last year that went undefeated. But yeah. you know, he considering that performance, felt I
3: mean, bad about his performance. At the ETC, I think so. but. I, <clears throat> like Nick said in some of the interviews, that that dude was a rock. The team could not have won without the games he played.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's a that's a good point. Uh, there, there were definitely the, he definitely. I, I don't want to take away from from what he's done for the ETC wow. team, um, mm-hmm. but you know, as far as the narrative is concerned, if you're looking at things on paper, um, his ETC performance uh, leading up to Nova. It left a lot to be desired on paper, so so at Nova, okay, he needed to. He wanted he, he was he needed to be a, a front runner again, which he was. He was okay. Uh, you know, at,
0: I'm just gonna the, be very clear here. Uh, Andrew Gagneau was not uh, Heffelfingering uh, at the ETC as a doctor of the the School of Heffelfinger, which is also uh, being <laughs> very bad at 40k. Uh, to be clear, that is not what Andrew Gagno did at at the ETC. There was um, yeah, and then he just won the Nova Open. For the second time in a row, went deep in the Invitational. Gagneau oh, is man. like, Gagneau is 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 awesome. Like, he's really huge. Kudos is the only story here from yep. Mister Andrew Gagneau. Do
3: we do we want right. to talk about the specifics of his list a little bit? Because he, yeah. he has some. interesting Was there some were there some wrinkles? Uh, so yeah, looking at it, like, okay, Castellan list. Everyone knows what Castellan list looks like. Uh, but there are a couple things that I think do stand out about his list that are very different from the way other people have run it. Uh, First of all, those uh, Slamguinius, no Storm Shields. Nope. Um, Which I can see the rationale behind, but it is still a very interesting choice. Um, But it it saves some points that you need elsewhere in the list, so I get it. Um, The other big thing that sticks out to me is... His guard detachment runs two big units of crusaders, which, for those who aren't super familiar with guard, are the guys armed with a power sword and a storm shield. Um, And they get acts of faith, just like Sisters of Battle do, so they can book it across the field. You can use the guard stratagems on them to give them a two-up invuln really, really easily.
0: They're super tanky, super annoying infantry unit, and yep. in the Nova format, there's this weird thing where you nominate two infantry units to be an yes. engineer, which scores you extra yes. points. So he may have just zeroed in on a, just a really fantastic option uh, yeah. to run as the engineer.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he So in the Justin Curtis game, he picked the Scout Sentinels to be the engineers instead of the Crusaders. Oh, interesting. Um, but that was because he wanted the Crusaders to, to block Magnus and Mortarian. Because sure. if they, if they, yeah, because they have a two-up invuln, uh, they can go up to two-up invuln with psychic powers, so yes. they're very, very good at just, like, stepping up to a nightgallon or a magnus or mortarian and mm-hmm. just tanking shots. So that I think that was what he wanted them to do, so he didn't want them to be engineers, because um, he wanted them to be able to charge and move, or charge and swing, I don't know. I, right. I think, I think he, with think engineer you can't charge. Alive. Yeah, um... yeah. There's a bunch of at, weird stuff around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it yeah.
3: basically shuts down a lot of what you can do. Yes. And yeah. And maybe
0: I'm totally can. wrong.
3: Well, <laughs> he may have picked them as engineers in some games. Oh yeah, they're, some games they're good engineer units, units. Yeah. Because they're,
1: yeah. they're really fast. Like you said, you, they can move yes. in advance and then, and then as an act of faith, and they can move in advance again. So yep. they can move 12 plus 2d6 inches, um, which means they can snipe objectives or, or do put them wherever they need to. And they have a 3-up invuln. Mm-hmm or two up in Voln. Um, so they're very good engineer units, Val. Um, it's just in the Justin Curtis game in particular, he, he picked his mm. Sentinels instead of the Crusaders. Um, but they're they're a good little yeah. tech. And for, the trio the of missions.
3: Sentinels are also a somewhat interesting choice because he's got two multilasers and a heavy flamer uh, between the three of them. You usually see Artemia Hellhounds in those slots. Uh, but the Sentinels are a fair bit cheaper and give him some kind of disposable little units that can just like hang out on objectives and pip away or whatnot.
1: Yeah and he really maximized the, he basically what he did was he cut points across the board for the Crusader units. Um, the Tony yeah. Kopak list is more is more bodies and the hellhounds uh, in mm-hmm. a in a guard brigade and um, Ganyo cut points for Strachan, which which I think I don't think Kopak ran Strachan. Um, he might have. <laughs> Did
3: no it? But. That's part of the standard uh, list at this point. Is Strachan yeah. and a priest to make all those dudes three attacks okay. each. All
1: right. So so that makes sense. Um, I I don't I haven't yeah. seen Kopak's list, uh, but uh, been in, in a the, while. It's basically
3: it's the standard. Um, mm-hmm. he he doesn't have any really surprising choices in his version. Mm-hmm. Um, he's running two hellhounds and one sentinel, probably just for points reasons. Um. But um, I, I would definitely say that Kopak's list is a lot more, you know, maybe not cookie-cutter, but standard, um, mm-hmm. whereas Ganyo makes some very interesting innovations that I think show that he really understands the strengths and weaknesses of the list— and not to say Tony doesn't, but uh, I think Ganyo kind of made the the meta choices that take the list from like this beats most things to this beats the things I need to worry about.
1: Yeah. Um In so, place the format. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes so, very much. so so let's go ahead and talk about the pod, the first the the number one pod. And then we'll talk oh, about yeah. the pod winners for the next three pods. And for those of you wondering what a pod is. Basically, in Nova, they, they format their tournament a little differently. What you do is you play your first four games, and then afterwards they split everyone up into 16-person pot or 16 16-person uh, 16 pods, right? Mm-hmm. So the top 16 players will be put into pod one, and from there on, you're you're playing in a 16-person single elimination tournament, essentially, yep. um, uh, which gives everyone something to play for. Um, depending it's on because if you win your pod, you get double elimination. Actually, I think. Well, it's it's but... single elimination because there's only one winner, oh, really? but the the rest of the well, pod players yeah. will play each other too. Yes. because uh, to, you know to maximize people's playing time. Um. Right. But it, it does it does come down to like the because normally in double elimination you have like the top loser who plays the top winner at the very end. That doesn't yeah, happen no yeah um, it is it,
3: yeah because it's it's
1: a it's a straight bracket is what it is yes yeah. yeah uh so so anyway so you're the top 16 at Nova uh where mm-hmm. Andrew Gagneau came in first place yep. uh he had the the castellan list with the Crusaders there was Trent northington with a castellan list but instead of the crusaders and some of the other fancy stuff uh he spent points for a guard battalion instead of a brigade and brought Ogrin. Ogren a big unit Ogren uh, the Bulgren uh, um, Or the Bulgren, sorry, not yeah. Ogren. Ogren. And
3: right. I was a little confused by his setup on them, because he's running a mix of the Brute Shields and Slab Shields. Mm-hmm. Uh, you normally only see the Slab Shields, because the gimmick is pretty much to give them an invuln and then they pop their, you know, you use psychic powers and stratagems to get them down to a two-up invuln. Mm-hmm. And I guess that wasn't what he was doing with them, so I'm a little bit confused I, I there. Think, but... I think the
1: invulns only against shooting. Uh, First off, uh, so it's period. Um, I I do know the two-up armor save from the Brute Shield. Uh, I do know that that's useful Mm, for getting it to like a one-plus. You're getting them backwards. Brute Shield
3: is a four-up invulnerable save. Okay, then the Slab Shield. And the Slab Shield is plus two to all saves, which if you can get them in invuln save, will apply to that as well.
1: Right. Uh, I've talked to Brandon Grant about this extensively. Um, He likes a mix, and it's basically to mix the... Depending on the firepower coming at your Bulgren, mm-hmm. um, the the slab shield, which is the plus two to your armor save, gives you an option of a one plus armor save, potentially, or or potentially oh, even okay. a, a. So so if you, so you if can you're trade fading... off those at one right right so yeah. if you, especially if it's a it's useful. And then the invuln save is for when you wanna when like a Castellan shoots at you, and right. so you usually mix and match. Um, and uh, the plus one, I believe. Bar- psychic barrier, which I think is the stratagem. Um, uh, I think psychic
3: barrier is the power, and the power. take cover is the stratagem.
1: Okay, so so take cover doesn't give you a plus one save in combat. So nope. you you I think at best can only get a three up in voling combat. Whereas yeah. uh, that that one plus armor save in combat can be more useful. It's just it's just that. mixing and matching. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting
3: consideration. Yeah, he's it, also a, running four hellhounds. Uh, which gives him some pretty good firepower there against a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then Eric Truck came in with another Castellan list. Um, I'm not going to go... He basically ran Tony... Or uh, Tony Kopak's list. Um, yep. There's Nick Nanavati with his Inari list, which was uh, stranger than what Nick Nanavati's normal lists are. And, and Sean, I'll let you kind of take it away here. Um, he went in a different direction than what he's been going before previously.
3: Yeah. And... He... He made some choices that are are very odd, but I, I, I've I listened to him talk on podcasts and read some of his stuff, and I get why he made those choices, because um, it's Yanari, but he's running much heavier on the Dark Eldar components. Um, he's got a big Prophets of Flesh Battalion that runs, I think, two units of seven Grotesques and then three big units of racks. So he's got a lot of really tough bodies on the ground, um, and then he has the usual, uh, Yanari, um, of, like, Shining Spears and Rangers and Guardians and stuff, but, interestingly, he's actually running the Incarnate, um, the, the, like, Avatar thing that Yanari get. Um, which... The Incarnate is a good unit, but it is very difficult to fit into a list. And it can get into some really awkward situations, because it must start the game in reserve, and it pops out of reserve onto the field wherever uh, a unit dies at. Um, but since you can't pop out of reserve on turn one anymore... Um, that can lead to some very difficult situations where, like, he doesn't get to come down until turn two, which means he doesn't get to charge until turn three. Um, and for a 340 point unit, having them not go active until turn three is, like, ooh, I, that's rough. Uh, but it's not always that bad. There are situations where you can bring him active a little bit earlier than that, um, it's just it's contingent on some very specific game circumstances coming up and I wouldn't have relied on it yeah um, but yeah his and I I should add in his final little bit of nonsense is he has an auxiliary support detachment with a single unit of cabal of black heart warriors uh, just to get access to that stratagem which is a really good stratagem it, it changes a lot of matchups completely Caused a
0: big stir too out on the internet because people oh, yeah. thought that was illegal.
1: Yeah, I love that he included the. I love that included the Mike Brandt um, picture in his list, saying basically, yep. "Who's the TO of the the tournament?" Basically, saying like like via email, like there oh yeah, a that's photo totally photo <laughs>
3: of an email from Mike Brandt that is at the bottom of his list, just to let everyone know that like no, this totally works, you guys. I okayed it with the TO
1: yeah um so so uh we're 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 gonna go and uh wind up here we're getting up on the 145 minute mark um mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna rapid fire through the rest of the top 16. uh we had justin curtis in fifth place with the a basically bash brothers list and a bunch of zangors we had alex ing with an imperial knights list um it was a castellan and two gallants um cadians and blood angels we had shane watts with an adeptus custodes list uh, with a whole bunch of vexil, uh, virtus ve- praetors, um, yeah, and some guardsmen, um, you had Alan Blakeborough with a Blood Angels list, um, it's probably it's probably a Castellan list, like, it, like um, all, it, no, it's, it's a, it, it's 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 a Custodes, Angels, yeah, Blood Angels Blood Custodes, Custodes and, and, guard. and guard. Uh, you had Chris Blackham who was on stream with his Dark Eldar list. You had yep. Cameron Pinheiro with a Harlequins list. With kind of like a mixed Harlequins, Blackheart, uh, Dark or Dark Eldar Harlequins list, uh, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, it
3: it says Harlequins, but because of the way they count uh, factions, yeah. but it's actually mu- it has like two thirds of it is Dark Eldar. Yeah,
1: uh, it's just that the faction counting is weird, and yeah. Uh, you had Brandon Grant um, with his Castellan list, uh, which is basically your standard Castellan list with Bulgrin. Um mm-hmm. You had uh, Joe Berend with a custodian with a uh, with a custodian's list that would make that would make uh Jeff proud it had it had a custodian guard in it Virtus predators uh a guard detachment a guard HQ detachment and five assassins five assassins uh, three yeah. Clexuses of vindicare and an eversore and he made the top 16 with it mm-hmm. so joe c- c- good job buddy um i noticed you lost your last two games but you still made the top the top pod with it Congratulations! Yeah, that is uh, no small feat. You had Tony Kopak in 13th place with his uh, list. You had Brad mm-hmm. White um, come in and hot with Tau. Uh, he had he had a Hammerheads, two Tiger Sharks, and then um, the usual Farsight Marksman Strike Kings, yeah. Rip, uh Riptide Stealthy.
3: He 13. was running a really Alpha Strikey Tau list.
1: Yeah, uh, there was Reese Robbins who who went who? undefeated day one. Yeah, to make the 15th sort of place of scrub. with his Ultramarines. Um, and I just looking at Reese's, uh, Reese's matchups um, just to kind of see what his list does if you're a Space Marine player and you're looking for answers, you're looking for, for basically ways to compete. Uh, Reese, uh, you know, I have to give it to him. He comes up with weird off-the-wall Space Marine lists or weird off-the-wall lists for underpowered factions, and he somehow manages to do better than average. Well... And let's let's be honest here.
3: Reese is a good player. He's been yes. playing this game a long time, and he's quite good at it. Yeah. Um, so so he plays weird right. lists, but he's he's talented.
0: Also, yeah, I I, I do like players who who like to uh, play an underpowered faction at full bore. You know, like yeah. uh, they handicap and they just go and try and do as best they can, blowing against the wind. But ultimately, you you are blowing against the wind.
3: Yep. Yeah. That's the the real problem. Is eventually you butt heads with a player who is as good as you, but also brought a good list, and
1: then the obvious happens. Yeah. Uh, and then bringing up the rear uh, in the top sixteen pod, Daniel Downer with a billion plague bearers, um, scoring yeah. the lowest points um, kind of, of all the people who went four and zero. I mean, well, I mean, he, he went still... undefeated. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, day one. So I mean, he made the top sixteen bracket, and you'll yep. see that you'll see that trend consistently as is uh, Nurgle, D, Nurgle lists in general they win but they don't score a lot of points pick period across yeah. the board just always happens Well and that's
3: not as much true in uh, Nova format that is heavily based on holding board mm-hmm. uh, but it's still like he's fighting some really strong stuff and yeah. uh, like I I absolutely see why what happened did
1: Yeah uh and then your your pod 2 was won by Stephen Ford Juice uh congratulations mm-hmm. Juice, um your pod three was won by Austin I'm sorry, Juice had a, a Castellan list, a Castellan yes. Knight and Blood Angels list. Um your pod three was won by Austin Wingfield, uh with a Thousand Sons list. I imagine there might have been Magnus and Zangors. Yeah, Magnus, Mortarian, uh, Aramon, kinda uh, like the, those, the Bash uh, Brothers list Bash with brothers, a bunch of horrors. Yeah. Uh he he won Pod three with that list. Uh and then pod four was won by Brian Delgado, uh with the Prophets of Flesh prophets of flesh uh list which is dark so a dark elder list with a mm-hmm. bunch of talos with haywire blasters um which in my experience don't actually do a whole lot against knights i know uh, i know because it's because they hit on fours and on a four up only do one mortal wound and yeah, sixes are they're a little three, slow though. yeah, it, yeah it's, just, it's
3: it's not as good for killing knights as something like the sky weavers or stuff like that right. but they do other stuff in the bargain
1: Speaking of Skyweavers, he also brought a bunch of Skyweavers. Yes, he did. So, yeah. so, he, was, so
3: he was there ready to kill some knights.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then let's see if the the Pod 5 person... Nope. Uh, yeah, so Trevor Harris, finally playing his Thousand Sons list, was the last person to only have one loss at the event uh, with his Thousand Sons. He had he had 160 cultists, a ton of Zangors, two Demon Princes, Abaddon, um, and uh, Sorcerer. Chaos or search. This challenge. is this is what so you're seeing when we we're talking is.
3: about that 60% win rate for Thousand Suns. You just put a crap ton of bodies in between you and the opponent, and you have them do stuff like get warp timed or recycle yeah. back onto the field or whatnot. And hiding behind them, you have like four to six really strong smite characters.
1: Yeah, it's, so those are those are your, your guys' top lists. Those are all the lists that, that performed well, made the top 16, Slash also only had one loss. Uh, I highly recommend going through the BCP Player app and searching through all the pods and looking at all the people who made the finals in each of their pods, um, because those people played eight games, and a lot of those guys... Uh, only lost one or two games. So there's a lot of really good lists, a lot of really good players hidden in the BCP app. So if you're desperate and, and you want to know what to build or what to aim for, I highly recommend going in there and looking at that. Yeah. Um, it, it's. Nova consistently always has uh, a good barometer of, of what lists are good and what lists aren't good. Um, unfortunately, there's just too many for us to go through right now. Yeah, uh, so we can't. So we've
3: already talked way too long and haven't even touched on the surface of a lot of this stuff.
1: Right. Uh, so if you're interested, check out the BCP Player app. Um, I'm sure one of us will post up the the Peter's stats on the blog somewhere. So go to FrontlineGaming.org, look up Chapter Tactics, and then you can click on the show notes for this episode, episode 80, and you'll be able to find the documents there. Um, you'll also be able to find the show notes. You'll be able to talk to us. Check us out. Find my email, PDPob. At gmail.com, if you want to give me a shout out, ask me any questions, ha, you know, anything, just talk to me, you can. I'm, I'm open. Um, other than that, Sean and Val, thank you very much for coming on, especially after us. that late, late, late Nova weekend, that long, long Nova weekend <laughs> uh, on Labor Day. Oh, well, actually, Val's yeah. val's a Canadian, so there's no holiday uh, with Val. Is actually, is there uh, a holiday no, we going just, on right now?
0: No, we have Labor Day. We just spell it with a U. <laughs> okay um, that's real that, yeah. that's a real thing oh interesting yeah. No. okay yeah labor. more
1: yeah okay well cool anyways uh sean and val any final words shout outs
3: thank you so much to peter for doing all this work he is doing just a fantastic job with all of this and it's so great to have these kind of tools available for those of us who want to do tournament analysis Absolutely, and will we be getting an article up uh,
0: using it soon?
1: Uh, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm in talks with Peter now. That's between Peter and Reese and Frontline Gaming and, and oh, great. all that stuff. But, but you know, the the goal is to have some sort of stats article up on Frontline or some sort of stats article series um, between someone. Someone will have someone write. Maybe even Val. Val's written a couple of those already. Um, mm-hmm. But something will come up. So I, I know that's in the works. Um, but I don't wanna. I don't wanna say for sure whether it's gonna happen or not. But This has been been a really good 40k summer scene. I I officially declare the 40k tournament summer season over now that Nova is over. We are getting into the fall now, uh, which doesn't mean there's less content for you guys to listen to. Uh, It just means that we're heading into the final stage of the ITC season before the LBO. So look forward to the SoCal Open, the Iron Halo, the Renegade Open. uh, a few others that, that i'm 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 missing that I, I i wish i could remember right now at this very second uh, but warzone atlanta warzone atlanta i yeah, yeah um so there's going to be a lot of other big tournaments coming up in this fall season uh leading up to uh kind of the winter holidays where, where a lot of tournaments die down uh and then we'll have a maybe one or two big tournaments before the lvo and then the lvo is happening in february so this is kind of the final stretch gw's got it's big statement FAQ coming up soon, so we're definitely gonna be covering that. And then right after the FAQ we've got we've got a bunch of tournaments that we're gonna be attending and it's gonna be happening, so tournament coverage year round, as always on chapter tactics. Thank you guys very much for listening and have a good one.